Welcome to episode 277 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Today it is a Sunday afternoon, and we're uh, recording the show in my place, um, 3 p.m. here, and beautiful day outside. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Doing all right. Wow, long time no show. Yeah, well, it's been a month. <laughs> oh, man. We, I, I tried really hard last weekend, but uh, just couldn't get the time. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's tough when we both have kids now. I mean, when I had kids, my schedule was a little more restricted than yours. And yours, yours is a little more flexible. Now yours is, is is restrictive in a different way. You know, the baby's napping, the baby's this, we're going to do this. Well, and the other now thing, it's like it, that. It just, it, all the times that would have been really easy for you before, all you had to do was work around on the weekends with, was when you and Georgie were going to go out or go down to her parents. Yeah. But yeah. Now, now, now it's like, well, Georgie's home with the baby or this or that. So now all the, in that, Makes your schedule is, is hard to accommodate as mine, and uh... and and they do seem to be exactly the opposite of each other. Like for example, like one free time we may have would be Monday afternoons, but that's tr- when I've been doing my strength training. <laughs> it's like, but I, I guess I'm going to try and move that so that because Monday afternoon seems to be a free time for you. The only time we can do it. Yeah, so maybe I'll move my strength training to another day. Um, yeah, it's been rough. Yeah, hard to do. I mean, as I, I've said before, I don't really want to do a show if we're not going to do it more than at least every two weeks because it. One of the reasons is that I think that when we do it as infrequently as once every three or four weeks, people mm. get out of the habit of listening. I agree. Yeah. We just lose a chunk of listeners every single time that happens. And it's just, you know, people forget. It's like there's no podcast week after week. People just kind of forget. Even if they enjoyed listening before, it just get out of the habit. They start listening to their stuff. And then, you know, and then the podcast, their, their iTunes, whatever, stops updating you know, the feed. It just, you know, I don't know if, it, if you see, if that happens to you, but a lot of my podcast subscriptions just go stale because I hadn't listened to it in a month or so and then it just stops downloading. So, um, after this Monday, I'll try and shift it to a different day, the strength training, and then I'll try and keep my Monday afternoons free. Yeah, what about Friday afternoons? Friday afternoon. Yeah, I could do Friday afternoon. Oh, no, 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 no. Because the other thing is Georgie works, you see. So then she, she but she does the odd hour here and there. On Friday, um, Friday, she works a lot. Yeah, she well, she does it in the afternoon, but not on Mondays. Not on Mondays, no. Actually, she does on Mondays at five, five to six. But we could do it before five. Well, I think, I think one time to do it would be um, like a Monday before lunch. Like we do it like from eleven to like twelve thirty, and then go grab lunch afterwards. You know? I could try and do that, but it's really difficult with Digidoo. That's the problem. Right. Problem there. I'll tell you what, it's either going to be a Friday or a Monday. I'll, I'll for once and for all, try and find a, a good time one of those days and see if it gels with you. You can't do Tuesday through Thursday because you're teaching the kids. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I teach a math class from 11 to 12.15, and then I go and grab lunch. Well, I leave home at 11. It's from 11.15 to 12.15, so I have to leave <sighs> at about 11. And usually a few minutes before then, I'm kind of preparing, get printing out problem sets and whatever. And then... Uh, I go grab lunch, so that takes a chunk out of my day. So I have to try to be really productive the rest of the day, so I don't feel so I don't like lose an entire day, you know. So like if we if we said, oh, well, let's do it mon- Tuesday morning, well, it's like, well, then I probably wouldn't get any work done until at least two o'clock. That I, I get like a three hour work day, which is just yeah, yeah. Cool. I know, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. So you want to hear my my walking desk progress? Well, first of all, I we you need to go, but it's been a month. So as right. far as everyone knows, you've you've hadn't used it or hadn't even arrived, and you and I had one offline conversation. No, it was I didn't. On the last show, hadn't it arrived? I think it had, and we just wanted to see how you know how it was going to go. Well, you had you had the no, you had the the, the treadmill, but yeah. not the desk. Okay, yeah. 
So let's hear it. You got to go back and tell All right. Well, so my, you know, in my ever-ending quest to try and lose weight and be and become fit in the in the laziest possible way, um, I decided to, to try and get a walking desk. And so the idea is you have a treadmill and a desk and you just walk while you're working and you don't notice that you're being active. Um, so I got... I I got it. It came, and I did a Jason, and I just used it too much, too quickly. Um, I did fourteen hours in the first three days, and I've found it really difficult to walk since. I basically done something to my uh, tendons or my heel. My heel is just in agony. It's at the it's the it's it's the tendon at the very back of the heel. So it's like it's not the fascia, um, and it's not the. Um it's not what you would think of as your Achilles tendon, but it's it's down where the Achilles tendon t- attaches to the very bottom of the heel. Because I've I've done the, I damaged the same tendon a while back playing basketball, so I know exactly what you did. And how did you fix it? Time. Um, Staying uh, off it. Staying off it. Well, how can you I, stay off it? You got to walk. You got to live. Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't remember exactly. I mean, I think like right after it hurt and it was and it was sort of in acute, an acute, inflamed state. Um, you know, you just try not to aggravate it, you know, try not to walk as much. But, but for me, I kept trying to like, it would feel better. And I'd go back and try to play basketball. And then I re-injured a little bit, you know, yeah. and I, so I last a lot longer. Cause every time I thought it was better, I'm like, Oh, I think maybe I'll just shoot around basketball. Or shoot, a, shoot a little bit. Maybe just How long did it take to, to heal? It was, an, it was for me, probably a year and a half, two <laughs> years, maybe longer. Oh my God. But that's cause I kept re-injuring it. And oh plus I re-injured my, my a lot worse. I mean, yours but, but I, it, it, this is not going away. I mean, I like it's just like what well, it feels like it's better, and then I'll try and I'll move around for like half an hour or something, and then it's just like yeah, now everything yeah. hurts. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. It's really bad injury. Well, like there's kind of um, it's really irritating. It's so got me in a bad. You probably put on weight, right? Because you're not moving at all. Well, I haven't put on weight, but I'm just like I don't know. I'm just annoyed. Well, see, the other thing you did, which which I was sort of surprised at is not only did you start using it a whole bunch, you got those like slipper shoes, those like not like the non-shoe yeah. shoe, whatever the th- yeah. things are called. They're supposed to be ergonomically better for your feet. And you were using those like hours a day walking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, of course, the thing with those kind of shoes, at least the people I've talked to, this is what I heard from the people I've talked to who use them. They said, you got to like slowly get your foot acclimated to them so you walk in like a half hour a day for the first week or an hour and then you'd slowly you slowly know, build up even since then i've actually bought a pair of shoes that have they're called gravity defiers and they have springs in the heel and they basically take a lot you know a lot of the shock 50 percent of the shock and they do make it easier to walk i mean they look stupid not as stupid as the kangoo boots that i had they right. look like regular shoes but just slightly higher but um, even with them taking the shock, it still really hurts after like 20 minutes. One thing I, I noticed that helps a little bit um, is I got those, you know those um, gel inserts that go below your heel? You can buy those Dr. Scholl's things you can buy at yeah, the drugstore. Yeah. Um, put those in your bottom of your shoe because what happens is it, um, by lifting your heel up, it lessens the amount that your tendon has to um, stretch right. every single time you take a step. And it's that pulling that tendon pooling on the attachment area that's that's inflaming it and it's hurting it. Yeah. So you want to reduce the amount of um, of strength. So anyway, I, I have a beautiful, I mean, it's really beautiful walking desk in my office. It's a great standing desk that you click an electric motor and it goes up and down and it's got preset heights. And then I've got the top of the line treadmill and just I can't sitting there mocking use it you. just sitting there. 
Uh, well, I'm trying to do it every day for 10 minutes, but maybe that's my mistake. No, okay. As somebody who's spent a lifetime getting injured and then trying to come back too soon on those injuries, I can tell you, you just need to not do anything and let it heal. Like, just, just, I mean, it's, it's just like what I've had to do with the weightlifting. You know, I, I strained that. Well, what, what am I going to do for exercise? I guess I'm not going to do anything. You're, well, you could do. I could go swimming. You could do put swimming, you could do push-ups and sit-ups, you could lift weights, but um, you could do dumbbell exercises, but you're you're just going to not to... Anything that aggravates your foot, you just need to stop doing it because what's going to happen is it's just going to take three, four, five times as long to heal. So rather than healing them in six <laughs> weeks, it's going to take nine months because you keep screwing with it, trying to like, well, if I could just get like 10 minutes a day. It's like, yeah, 10 minutes isn't going to make that big a difference, yeah. but all it's going to do is keep you from getting better. Awesome. Texting the old man show. Well, um, <laughs> so um, I've been I've got a great new secret uh, side project, which I've been working on having a lot of fun. A titanium, basically a mobile app. Well, you had, well, let's back backtrack. You asked me what you should use. You were you were kind of on the you were kind of on the fence about titanium. You had played around with it before. You're like, do you think I should use titanium? Should I think, you know, right? Well, I wasn't on the fence about titanium because I thought titanium was bad. I was on the fence about um, whether I could just knock something out faster in HTML, CSS. That's all. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, you were yeah, on the yeah. Fence, right? yeah. So, well, now that you've gotten used to using titanium and you've kind of built a little framework, I think you've told me about within titanium, you've got your little utility library that you can do all the things you want to do. How yeah. How about it? Oh, great. It's, it's really... I mean, it's the same as when I was um, starting to build mobile apps in HTML and JavaScript. I, I spent a lot of time up front making good foundational components that could do things like screen transitions or a pop-up or buttons like I built my You own. have like a little, you were showing me a little bouncy uh, input box. Yeah. So when it's like, when it has focus and like email login and email, like your email username box, it starts, does a little bounce there to, to prompt you to enter. Yeah, basically if you, if you try if you try and move past it, and you've, there's an error, it will just bounce it out, yeah. Very slick. Yeah. Very slick. Um, so, so basically, to, to, put a form, to put a form element on the page, all I have to do is just go form.textbox. You know, I, I basically built all this stuff, right? And then just say what the icon is for it. So it puts a nice little cute icon on the left-hand mm -hmm. side of it. Nice. And just say what type it is. So if it's a credit card, it will validate against a credit card. And as you type out the numbers, it'll like put a space in between the four numbers. Wow. You know? Wow. And then the email, obviously, it does an email validation and password. It hides it. And, and just just kind of, I've just spent a, a lot of time up front making that framework so that it's just easy to bolt pieces on together. Another nice little trick that I did, and I don't know whether you do this. Um, I, I just don't know. But I have this thing where I'm always keeping track of, like, the top of the screen. And then every time I add a new element, I kind of like, okay, what height is that? So then I've got this... this uh, so it's just really easy to pop stuff on the screen like and say, okay, this is going to be 20, 20 pixels away from the one above. Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like you just you keep track of the, the, your current top. Yeah. Do you do that concept? No. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it, ju so it just makes it kind of almost HTML-ish to lay out a page because mm -hmm. I just like whatever the current top is, then I just add on a text area, then I just uh, it knows that that text area I mean, is like 20 pixels. They do have relative so positioning and not just absolute positioning. Yeah, they do, but that's that's kind of like a bit not like HTML. You know what I mean? It's like a bit weird. It's like it's centered, and it's for example, one thing that's really difficult is to put like a bunch of text boxes next to each other. Have you tried that? 
think so. But I think I don't. Th- I didn't build like a framework that like yeah. yeah. I just kind of had to eyeball it. <laughs> but it was and and so. But what's also great is um, not just that, but then you know having the salt. You know, like I've done a whole kind of like salt frame, mm-hmm. like so the infrastructure as well. So it's 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 kind of like scaled in a scale in a box mm-hmm. you know it's ready to go it's yeah. like it's there's queues you know email, everything's queued you know i can deploy it to multiple servers like mysql scaled like that's it's just all kind the of back end framework is in back ends back end scaled front ends you know like got a framework so it's kind of easy to knock stuff up yeah it's fair it's good did you you had a look at it though yeah it looks yeah. gorgeous. We've That's, done a great job with the UI. It looks it looks fun. real it's pro shop for sure. Um, pro shop. You know, uh, it's kind of reminds me of this. You know, when they talk about the difference between older minds and younger minds. Like younger minds, you know, people in their twenties, their minds work more quickly. They think more quickly, right? You know, the mind, when, when you look at where you where you're talking to somebody in their sixties or seventies, their minds don't work as quickly, but they have this wealth of sort of cached solutions yeah right yeah, yeah so if you're if you're if you're talking to let's say like a physicist who's in his 60s or 70s like he may not think as is as well as a 28 year old physicist but he's just or she's seen so many problems and so many solutions that yeah. it's just so much quicker now for you not well, I'm not calling you a seven. No, you're 70, but you know, <laughs> you have solved all these problems in many different ways, yeah. in, in in various different frameworks and, and everything, or in, on various different platforms that you've just seen it. You know what problems are going to run into. You know what's going to save you time. So you can just go right ahead and say, okay, if I do all this stuff up front, or I do a certain way. I'm going to save myself months here, a week here, three days here, and so it's just way faster to mm. do it. Um, and, and I think that's why this is all coming together more quickly. Yeah, I think that's true. Actually, another another big one um, is the transitions. So you know how, like, it I showed you, like, all the screens move really, the screens move very smoothly left to right. So I just made use of that. They have that kind of swipey component. You know that's what that component, yeah. like the navigation mm-hmm. thingy for swipes, but it also has an inbuilt animation. So I just so the whole app just basically on the fly inserts a new a new element onto the onto the swipe array and then clicks so insert the element and then move and then it transitions yeah see there's a scroll view and there's scrollable view yeah that's, that's confusing you know, and too. i can't remember which one is which i think yours is the scrollable view or something is yeah. how's that sort of horizontal thing yeah you know well that's why i also recommend too like when people are thinking of outsourcing or hiring a contractor to do something it's like you want somebody who's built like almost the exact same thing that you want built. Because imagine if, I mean, you, you look at how quickly you've done this relative to maybe a lot of other developers coming into it. Because you've even though you haven't built Titanium, you had so much experience building mobile apps or of various kinds or web yeah. apps. Now, imagine how long it would take you to build something like this if you started right now. Yeah. Right? A fifth of the time? And if I'm paying you by the hour, <laughs> it would be way cheaper. Even if you said, well, I charge $200 an hour, I'd be like, oh, it's expensive. Like, trust me. Like, I'm going to be five times faster than that guy who tries $100 an hour because I've built the, same, the exact thing that you want. Well, it's true. I mean, times, right? I wonder why there isn't, like, titanium frameworks. I mean, I know they have their alloy, which I think is not great. Yeah, well, we, well let's talk about that. Why don't you like alloy? Well, I, I just did some, did some tests. Like, it just doesn't, transitions don't work as smoothly as, as the native stuff because they have their own kind of wrapper on top of it to make a kind of quasi, like, 
HTML, CSS style concept. Model view controller. Kind yeah. Of. And uh, basically, it just, it's not as smooth. It's just, it, and it's kind of difficult to understand. Yeah. You know, I, I, looking at the alloy framework, it looked really nice. It looked elegant, it looked yeah. simple. Mm. But when I was looking into building an app, you know, the Godsuite app a year ago, when we first started on it or something, or the morning a year ago, I, um, there just weren't, Oh, there just wasn't a lot of documentation. There weren't a lot of questions and answers, solutions. You know, it's like, if you got stuck, you were stuck, right? right? Whereas the, the existing framework, I had gotten things to work. I had been able to build things. Plus, you know, you, you look up, you do a Google query on, well, how do I do blah? And it just, you know, there's 30. Thumbs up. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason why I didn't do it. And But I was always, I was always hesitant sometimes to, like, take on something that's that's that new in terms of a framework because... You know, you just run into a brick wall, and there's just no going around it. So one of the things I asked you was because you'd done God's tweet, and I said, "Well, how did you? How are you doing sessions?" You said you were doing basic authentication. I tried to do it; I couldn't get it to work at first. And then I asked you to just say, "Dude, just send me your like your code." Uh, so you just sent me a whole the whole API for it, and um, I just had an API file called API.js that had the basic auth and posts and gets. And it's really clean. It's nice. It's nice the way that you've done it. So you've kind of like got an API file, and that's just like register. It's basically it, essentially it's kind of like models, really, the way that you've done it. I, well, I just it, that's like your model. Yeah, I just do it like you know, there's a there's API and there's a function log yeah. in yeah. register. You know, get photos. It's nice, it's clean. Up, so so then, I, then I got, I tried yours, but then I actually found out that there is a built-in way to do it. Uh, that you, you just you just set username, set password, and it does it. <laughs> okay. It's actually built into the thing. But anyway, but, but then I was kind of so inspired by the way that you'd done your API, I decided to refactor everything. <laughs> well, what did you refactor? Just I, the API? I, or just... No, I, ju I just, I, because you, you did it using this special technique where you kind of export it and it's all encapsulated in like one big closure and it's just really clean and it keeps the global scope clean. And I was oh. like, oh, I've, you know, mine is messy, so I need to refactor. <laughs> so, so I was up till two in the morning refactoring. Oh, cool. Well, I'm glad that uh, <laughs> it was helpful in that way. I mean, it's pain in the short term, but the long term, I guess you're, so is your long term, it's going to be much probably better, you know, more cleanly architected. But is it that, because last time we talked, I got the impression that like almost all of your code was in one file or something? Like no, no. All my code was split up into multiple files, but just everything was just global functions. Okay. So I'm just like calling global functions everywhere. Nothing. There's no collections of functions. Or so anything. you you separate that into modules? Now, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. That was one thing I was a little concerned. I thought the module system would probably make that a little Yeah, better. it's nice. It's nice. Anyway... Sorry if it's if, sorry for those who are listening and aren't technically inclined. Well, hey, you know, if you're listening to Tegzing and you're not technically inclined, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to like my my goal date uh, is April 15 to try and get it, you know, all ready and and released and maybe being able to start to talk about it potentially. Cool. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's my new secret project, and it's oh, the, the other key point to note about this this secret project is I'm the boss. You're the boss. I'm the boss. No one's the boss of me. I'm the boss, y'all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I may have a, I may have a partner, but it's going to be under the scenario that I'm the boss, right? So because you know, with various experiences recently, the last few experiences, just it just it hasn't worked out for me to not be in charge. <laughs> so now I'm going to be larger in charge, basically. 
like with Plugio, because Plugio worked, you know, it wasn't a mega success, but at least it was my thing that I completely controlled and I could make sure that it did, it worked and it went somewhere. Yeah, I plug it was a solid base hit, you know. Right. I mean, so it, all right. So the, you're the boss, mm. and are there any downsides to that? Are you film? Are you just totally like this is absolutely feeling like the right thing to do? It's feeling like the right thing to do. Yeah, well, I think a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs because they want to be the boss. They don't want anyone else telling them what to do. I mean, there's a sort of mythology now going around. They're like, oh. You should only do a startup if you absolutely have this passion to solve this one problem and that's the only reason to do a startup. And I think that's just utter bullshit. And I think it's the kind of thing that just gets, you know, um, pushed around because it sounds good and, and people repeat it. But a lot of entrepreneurs, if you get down to the reason they became entrepreneurs, not because they had this one problem in their life that they had to solve. It's because they want to be their own boss. They don't want other people telling them what to do. Huh. And, you know, I know that's, for me, that's always been a big driver, you know, and people do things for lots of different reasons. I mean, people, you know, don't often make big decisions because there's, there's only one reason. Like, and I would say the reason like going to college, I go to college because I want to get a job or do you go to, you know, do you, do you go to college because you want to get a job? Do you want to get a job because you want to become more educated? Do you go to get a job because it's the next step in, in sort of becoming an adult? Do you go to a job because, I mean, do you go to, to college. college because it's, you know, to be fun, to meet girls or guys or, you know, whatever, right? I mean, there's about 20 reasons, you know, and depending where you are in the process and your mindset, you might reprioritize what, your, what was your primary reason, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think in being an entrepreneur or starting a startup is like that. It's like, well, you know, I, I had this idea of something cool. I didn't like my job. I want to be my own boss. I want to have the opportunity to sort of make, to achieve uh, finan- true financial independence, you know, whatever it is. Right? Well, it's just that, it's just that, you know, with any foo, we put in a lot of work. Um, and with disco, I put in a lot of work. And this time, I like, I just feel like if I can be in control, I will put in a lot of work and something will happen, mm-hmm. you know? That's I think good. it's good. That's, that's yeah. kind of the main reason. To, yeah, well, just to make shit happen. Yeah make it happen yeah yeah i mean um you know with or no are you by yourself or are you doing with anyone else i i i'm i think i'm going to be doing it with someone else but i'm i'm the boss okay all right, <laughs> all right. <laughs> i've got yeah i've, I've got someone who's so not you're flying you're not flying solo no you're, you're okay right. yeah okay yeah. well that might be the best of both worlds yeah right i mean sometimes it's hard to do things completely by yourself unless the project is sort of modest in its in its goals or you know whatever I mean you know I mean not that it can't grow and take on other people but it's, sometimes it's really hard to achieve escape velocity with you're by yourself yeah um, but uh, yeah well good well well okay, so I'll keep you guys posted in one way or another whether I may not do the big reveal but at least I'll let you know what's happening in the general in the general so um, well we've got a lot of catch up to do from you like there's so much going on in your life go ahead and ask and know well i think let's go entrepreneurial first so um mill valley code club like what's go? what's the deal with that let's see what's the latest um well the latest was we were we were we let's see we've got okay I'm trying to think of other things prioritize what we should talk about 
the, the big thing that happened is we moved over from selling hours to monthly subscription. Nice. Beautiful. I was leaving money on the table the other way around, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it was hard. Doug found it difficult to charge monthly early on because the value proposition wasn't completely solidified for people. Right. Right. I mean, it wasn't stuff that you could do. You could log on at home and like all that kind of stuff. I guess it just, it, you know, it could have been his own insecurity about, about oh, it. Like, okay. And, you know, if I charge monthly, will people stay? You know, yeah. is it is it good enough that people are going to pay monthly even if they miss, you know, a couple of weeks because they're on vacation? You know, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it, it could have been imagined. It, it may have been real. It might have been somewhere in between. I don't know. Um, but in starting in like January, he started, um, I think it was December, January, he started pushing, you know, you know, people say, okay, they're, they're not going to sell any more hours because people would buy packs of hours. I buy 20 hours, right? And then every time you come, you use an hour. And But the, the real downside to that is that people would, you know, you'd go on vacation or you'd, uh, kids would be sick or they'd have some other school conflict or, you know, they're going to do soccer for a couple months and then they just kind of fall out of it. And, you know, it's just... It's and, not the flywheel that Rob Walling always talks about. Yeah. And, and they just, they become very parsimonious about using their hours. You know, it's like, well, these hours, this big, we got to make sure we're really careful how we're using the hours, right? Oh, okay. And, and then they get out of the habit of coming. Yeah. And what you really want is you want people to say, I'm paying anyway, let's, let's make as much use of this as we can. And because the, the more you come, the more, the more you use it, the better you get, the more into it you are, the more excited you are about the progress you've made and what you're going to do in the future. Mm. And it's like, you know, habit formation and maintenance is a big deal. Is it all you can eat then, the subscription? No, you have, you you know, you sign up for a class, you come once a week, and I think you can come up to two what they call open lab sessions on like a Saturday or something like that, you know, if you if you miss or make, you know, something something like that. I can't remember what, what the deal is, but yeah, you can, you can do makeup sessions or just come anyway. Yeah. It's a little more free form um, cool. on the weekends. And, and then... And then it, it just encourages. So if, if you're going to miss, oh, we're going out of town. So it's like, okay, we've got a couple Saturdays come in and open lab and I'll catch up. So what, what's been the, so that's the been findings? Good. Well, first of all, got almost everybody moved over already. Yeah. Which, you know, the big concern was is we're going to lose a lot of people. Oh, great. It can take forever to get people to, 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 to transition to the subscription because he had already changed pricing two or three times in the past six months. So he's just like, ugh, you know, it's like, now we're going to change it on them again. You know, our people have just signed up, you know, and they're like, what, wait, what's going on? Right. Because, you know, parents, parents are busy, right? They have, you know, one or two careers going on and you oftentimes multiple kids and you're juggling all these things. And now you go and you sign this kid up and then you go on again and then they, they're like, we're changing the pricing and stuff. And they get, just get confused and frustrated. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and, you know, money, money, our cost is important, but, they also just want things to be easy. They like, they just like, you want to waste their time. Parents get frustrated when they don't understand what the hell's going on. Like, wait, I don't understand. Like, how do we, what are we doing? Are we getting charged again? Or what, are, you know, so you got to get, make things simple for people and you want to make it, um, yeah, you just want to make is it there different subscription prices or is it just the same? Simple? Uh, I think it varies slightly in age group. The older so one. That's yeah. simple then as well. So the, even, even simple. the pricing simple. Yeah. But it also changes, it turns it to much more of a SAS 
model. Yeah. Right. You can you can see the monthly growth rate. You you have predictable cash flow. These are really important for a startup, especially yeah. a startup that isn't that doesn't have angel funding and have you know half million dollars in the bank. You're like, well, you know, you can you have you have this big cushion of cash. Like we don't have a big cushion of cash. You know, predictability of cash flow is a big deal for us. So that's uh, that's been great. Um, well, because, but you said so. One thing was you got everyone signed over quickly, but what else have you learned from it? Like, what else are you noticing? What do you mean? Like, any other interesting things that have happened? No, no, no. About about the moving to the monthly payments. Like, what's good about it is that everyone's moved over quickly. Um, yeah, but, they're more they're more engaged because you come every week. Yeah, as opposed to like disappearing for weeks on end. And you're already seeing difference in the coffers. Like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, there's a. Well, what happens at first? See, what happens is that when you sell people hours and don't use it, what you end up doing is a big liability. That becomes a liability on your, yeah. you know, right? And, you know, they, who, who knows? Because now they paid for it and you've used the cash, but now you owe them You owe them hours. something, yeah. And so you figure out, like, how we're going to burn through those hours and stuff. Well, anyway, once you get people to start signing for monthly, then they don't, like, pay, you know, but once a month. So then you, you have this thing where, okay, we had this big overhang of people who bought back in October we're not getting any of these big repurchases of hours and to keep that going, we're switching over to monthly, so they're just going to pay for this month. So there was a real cash crunch there. Um, nice. So that, so it's, fixed, you, it's fixed the cash crunch. You, but you got to get past that first. So you yeah. have a bad couple months. We had a bad couple months or a few months, and we've gotten past that. And so how many stools do you have? Two. Okay. Well, we've hired a third guy who's um, going to be, you know... Opening up some locations, not locations, but like we're, we're, we're trying to work out some things in some schools up there. Oh, okay. San Francisco area. And nice. We'll see what, we'll, we'll, I mean, it's still very early, but, um, I don't know. We got a really good crew up there, some really good people. And, uh, um, yeah. So apart from, apart from the subscriptions, is there any other kind of big news there or no, that's just, that's good. Not that I can talk about probably, you know, I've probably right. talked about as much as I can talk about. Remember, it's not my company. Yeah. Right. I mean, I am a. I'm an investor, <laughs> a silent or not so silent partner, but I'm not. You yeah. Know, and so, you know, I've, I've probably said as much. You as still that. talking with him like once a week? Yeah. You know, like it'll go sometimes. We'll, we'll talk two or three times a week and then we, we might not talk for a week. Right? I don't think we've talked in about a week. It yeah. just depends if there's stuff going on. You know, so if there's stuff going on, if we're negotiating with, with, with potentially hiring somebody or we're, you know, big decisions to be made. Doug will call me up not to get my permission or anything, but just to say, "Hey, what do you think?" Brainstorm, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's a sanity check. Sanity check, and he's yeah. like, "Am I losing my mind? Yeah, I'm thinking about doing yeah. this. What do you think?" And then we spend however long talking about it, and you know, whatever. And at the end of the day, though, I'm, you know, it's it is you know, even have it goes without saying that it's his decision. But I always remind him, like, you know, hey, I'm behind you. Whatever you want to do. All right. Well, that's um, MVC. MVCC. MVCC. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, but so, I would say, so, so in terms of raising, you know, we've talked about raising money and stuff like yeah. that. I think, I think our current um, sort of strategy is we're going to just try and reach profitability, solidly, be solidly profitable before we try and raise money, which may be for the end of the summer. Hmm. You know, it might take a little longer than we thought, okay. rather than trying to get for it. They like, say that startups always take longer than you think. Well, that's true, but you know, we, we thought we could you, we could potentially raise money maybe the end of the spring. You know, if we have like our two locations solidly making money, not maybe not we're not in the black as a company overall, but the locations are making money 
and they're growing month over month and we have a third location going like we might be at that point where we can raise some money but if we get to the point of profitability where we don't need anybody's money then we're in a much stronger negotiating yeah. position and <laughs> whenever you're trying to negotiate you want to be in the strongest position as possible and we're negotiating for money if you're not in a good position you're not gonna get great terms yeah and what can happen is who in smaller companies i mean well in any size company when you're raising money raising money is is usually much takes a lot more time and is much more painful than you're going to anticipate it's rare that you go and raise money and it's just like oh we just went and talked to vcs for a week and we got a first check and it was you know money it just doesn't happen that way you don't ever talk to Unless you're like a, like we said, you're a uh, celebrity entrepreneur, in which case it may be different. But even for them, I don't think it's that. Even Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood, they talked about how it was a, quite a process for them. Yeah. And you don't get any more internet famous. Yeah. Spolsky in some yeah. ways. But, um, so. <coughs> All right. So. But, but, but what you don't want to do, though, is if you raise money before you have, are in a really strong position, it can just eat up a ton of your time. Yeah. Right. So it's like, but you need to be running the business. And if you're spending all your time screwing around with your deck and your and your and your business model and doing and following up with VCs and all that stuff, you're not really running your business so much. Mm -hmm. You're much out, more outwardly focused and inwardly focused, and then things can really start to fall apart. Especially when you're a small company, you don't have a huge infrastructure of, you know, or a huge team to sort of manage all that stuff for you. Although I will say that with this side project that I'm working on, I wouldn't have done it had I not spent a bunch of time on the deck. There was no real reason to do a deck, but I just did it to kind of prove to myself that it was something worth following. Well, the deck tells a story. So you created a story yeah. that you're like, okay, I can, I can, I can buy this, this right? I can buy this story, right? Yeah, because I needed to, <laughs> to sell myself I mean, on it. I don't want to waste my time, right? It kind of reminds <laughs> me like in, um, in, uh, in movies, one of the first things that you want to do, like I had read this, there's this one, um, podcast I listened to uh, about screenwriting. I haven't listened to it in a long time, but they were talking about uh, the importance of log lines. And log line is like the two sentence or one sentence description of the movie. Mm. And if you can, but, and they would have these log line competitions where people would send in their log lines for their screenplay. And they could, you could tell 95% of the time if there was a flaw in the movie just because the log line was wrong. <laughs> you know, like there was no, there was no dramatic, there was nothing, there was no, problem to solve or the character didn't make sense or I don't know but a really good story if you have a really good story the log line could be able to reflect that but if you can't get a good log line it may be there's, a, there's an error there's a bug in your story mm. your story concept and I think you could, you could almost call your deck it's like your log line right it's like it's, it's a very superficial high level simplified view of the business if you can't make a decent deck that tells that story in a simplified manner, then there might be something fundamentally wrong with your business concept. You remind me, I was in, um, <sighs> I was in a, an Uber and I was talking to the guy who was a screenwriter and I, I'd forgotten that I'd written this, I'd come up with this screen, this, this movie concept years ago. Anyway, I told him this concept and uh, he was like, man, that's a really good, that's a really good plot line. I really like that idea. So it's the, kind of similar to the time that you, Remember, you told that guy, so he, he said, I'm going to have a think about that. So I said, all right, well, I'll just here's my email. So I sent him my email and I said, look, I'm not looking for money. Don't worry about it. Just at least just let me know if you do something with it, because I'd love to hear if it goes somewhere. But uh, you never heard from him. I haven't heard from him yet. No, okay. but uh, remind me, I'll tell you that I'll tell you that sometime.
You know what I talk about it now? Are you, are you sure? Yeah, I can. Sure. I, I'm not a log line. Not particularly. I do. I don't have a log line, but you you could probably help me come up with one afterwards. Okay. Okay. So I'll try and I'll try and set the stage. I'm not very good at telling these kind of stories or pitches, right? But I'll try and set the stage. Okay. So, um, there's a website, right? It's it's like on the darknet, like on tour or something like that. Okay. And you, but you, by the way, do help me try and fill this out. Like you know, if if you think of something good to say to like, right? Okay. So, on the website. There's three, a picture of three people, okay? And it's, and they're all, you know, maybe 18 year olds. And it says, you know, send in your Bitcoin to tell me who to murder, who to kill, right? So basically, whichever, whichever one gets the most Bitcoin, that's the one that I'm going to kill, mm-hmm. right? So that website starts getting some traction and then it starts getting a lot of press around the world. We, we, we talked about this on the show, not your lockdown, but we talked about how I brought that up as a story about how people were were putting in money to, to get people murdered using Bitcoin. Well, the, you remember that? I, well, I, we, we may have done, but and it's my, the, my mind didn't actually have Bitcoin in okay, the okay. like so because it, is, it was it was well, it was pre Bitcoin, but I'm okay. saying Bitcoin now. Okay, so that's, right. I'm adding that that's concept okay. to that. OK, but yeah, we may have discussed that. OK, so. And, but, the, but the point is, is that these three people are on the site and then all of a sudden it becomes public knowledge that this site exists and they're just like regular people. It's just like random people. Was this also a thing that we, we discussed? Yeah, well, I remember you were just shaking your head when I told you, you're like, that's the most evil thing. I can't believe it. Uh, it's funny that you, did, that you had, right. I remember that you had. So, um, so what happens is one of, the, one of these kids gets picked and basically no one's kind of really taking it seriously. And they're thinking, okay, you know, this, this isn't really going to happen, but they put a couple of police, you know, on watching this kid, like just, just, just in case. Anyway, the police are watching this kid. Next thing, the kid disappears. And like a week later, the kid's heart is mailed in the mail. Did I, did I already tell you this story? No. no. So the kid's heart is mailed in the mail and everyone's like, oh my God, this kid like got killed. I was like, it's really bad. Oh my God. So, um, so now they start taking it really seriously. Another person gets put up on the website. So there's now, now three of them, right? So once again, uh, now a lot, a lot more, uh, oh, okay. It, it isn't Bitcoin. It's, it's, it's not Bitcoin. It's credit card. And I've, I've kind of almost ruined one part of it. It kind of has to be credit card for, for the, for a twist of the movie. Okay. So anyway, it's credit, it's credit card payments. Is that bad to say? No. All right. Okay. I'm listening to you. All right. So now the second person a way, way more money comes in and the second person gets killed. But this time they have an entire detail of police there. But what you see is you see that at one stage, the kid gets a call on their cell phone and then they just go, uh-huh. And then they kind of find a way of evading the police, walking out the door, they disappear. And a week later, their heart arrives in the mail. Well, why are they evading the police if they're, they're I mean, the police are there to protect them? Exactly. Why are they? That's, that's the big question. Why are they evading the police? Okay. So this happens for this happens a third time, right? And and like once again, the kid finds a way of like getting out from the police, disappears. Like the, a phone call comes in, the kid goes, "Okay, right, yep," leaves, disappears, and then the the, the heart of the kid comes in. And you know, right? and then you know, it's not their heart, like a heart of a pig or something like it's that. It's it's definitely their heart. They do genetic tests and all that okay. kind of stuff, right? So anyway, as it turns out, uh, what happens is is that the and then the the, the killer who's uh, played by someone cool like Bruce Willis or something, right? He basically calls the, um, he calls, calls it in and says, 
okay, I'm going to give myself up. I'm going to give myself up. And he sets, he sets up a situation that's really bad for himself, like in the middle of, I don't know, like a baseball arena. So he basically, he says, I'm in the middle of this baseball arena. You guys can come and get me, right? So the police go to the baseball play in, arena and something happens. He gets shot. And so you're like, okay, this guy has killed all these people. He got shot. What's the deal? And then as soon as he's shot, a dead man switch goes off. You see how bad I am at telling these stories? <laughs> as soon as he's shot, a dead man switch goes off. And what you find out is that actually he's colluding with these kids and that it's, these organs are just genetically modified. They're, they're genetically grown. Okay. So they're mailed in. And really, he has a kid who was basically um, murdered for a snuff movie or something okay. like that. Right. And so he set the whole side up to capture all these credit cards and kind of like the final thing is you kind of see the helicopters fly by and then you'll hit you hear on the news that this guy has basically handed over like, you know, 2000 people's credit card numbers who all signed up to get people. Yeah, killed. so I think they call that like a honey trap. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Honey. yeah it yeah. couldn't be told more badly, but. Yeah. You had to work on the log. <laughs> of course, that's not a log. I want log to be one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, you could do Bitcoin. Because yeah, you can trace people through Bitcoin. Yeah, that's a problem is that people are traceable through Bitcoin. People think they're not traceable, but they kind of are. That could be even Just like better. people think they aren't traceable through, through Tor, but the FBI is so all over Tor now that, you know, people keep getting, you know, all those hackers and anonymous, they keep getting caught. Right. You know, um, I mean, not that, I mean, it sounds, from what I understand is that if you do everything right, everything correctly, and use Tor, you could probably do. Th you could probably get away with without anyone on your trail. But if you make one mistake, one one really small mistake, you're 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 done. Um, so you could do it that way, and you could you could you could set it up where you have kind of an expert explaining that, and say the reality is is that everyone thinks that they're anonymous. They're using Tor, they're using Bitcoin, but the reality is is ninety nine percent of them are going to screw something up. It's It's almost impossible to do it perfectly. And I guess, so I guess the basic, like as the movie moves on, you kind of, obviously you really sell on the fact that this guy's a bad guy and he's going to kill these people. And you, you met just from one perspective, it looks like he's really doing bad stuff. But then as it unfolds, yeah. just at the end, you find out actually he was a really good guy. Yeah. He just set the whole thing up and he's just like captured 2000 people. Anyway. I can see it. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad. I like it. I like the, uh. <laughs> The sort of the the big uh, what do they call it this the um when they turn stuff around at the end the twist the twist yeah the twist <laughs> you got you need a good twist right because if if it telegraphed the whole thing but you have to be careful about something because it's like what all rests on one really big twist yeah if people if you give anything away and yeah people, as soon as people think they've seen seen it they're like ah, I saw it. twenty minutes in I knew they were gonna switch it you know or you need like a double switch or something you know because <laughs> I I never times this happened to me where I've gone to movies with people or talked to people on. I thought it was good because I missed this this switch and they got it and they were like, yeah, sat through the whole thing moving. Yeah, sucks. I already I know exactly what they're <laughs> gonna do. But some people are like that. I think you told me like that. You spend your time trying to predict what's gonna happen. As I do, and I do a lot a lot of the time. Yeah. Instead of just sitting back, going for the ride, like just just get get, get just live in the moment, enjoy the ride, as opposed to trying to outthink the movie. I mean, the movie is trying to entertain you. He's like, you're trying to keep. I know. I don't do everything I can to keep you from entertaining me. <laughs> have I'm you try and think of every writer's trick you're going to use? So they got to do this. Have you watched The Hundred? No. It's a good show. What's it about? It's it's uh, basically um, it starts off. There's it's it's post apocalyptic, um, and mankind is in some satellites going around the world, like hovering around in space. And they kind of decide 
that they're going to try and come back to the Earth after, I don't know, X number of years. Maybe it's like 100 years or something like that to see if the radiation's gone and it's survivable. Mm-hmm. So they send 100, 100 kids, 100 of their teenagers who are all around 19, 20. My, that age. Uh, that's, that's just who they send. They just send, they, because they send the, the kids who are in prison. So they're like the kind of the, the, the bad kids. So they send them that down to the surface to see. So as it turns out, they go to the service. Well, maybe I shouldn't really say too much about it, but. Yeah, don't give anyone. Yeah. No spoilers. Um, but they go to the surface and it's, it's interesting okay. on the surface. And it, but also uh, the reason why I mentioned that is because I would not have expected that to be where it is now after two, uh, two seasons. It's gone in some really weird tangents and interesting tangents. The hundred. Is it rewatching on Netflix or something? Uh, Hulu. It's on Hulu. Huh. Sounds like there's a lot of these sort of post-apocalyptic movies that are based, that have like sort of the teenage element to it, like Divergent and Hunger Games and... Yeah, but it's not just teenage. I mean, there there are, there is like a a, a proper cast. I mean, Ian Cusack. um, Yeah, there's there's a proper like adult cast, yeah, as well as the kids. So it's like a cross between the two. But yeah, it's interesting. And it it shows, it shows... um, post-apocalyptic earth in a way that I, I haven't really seen visualized anywhere else is it is it a clean apocalypse or is it a dirty apocalypse dirty as hell it's, it's dangerous it's messed up yeah so like the walking dead does a good job yeah. you know there were some like what was the one we uh, that i saw that was like revolution that came out a couple years ago and it just yeah yeah, yeah. too nice it was yeah, too yeah. like uh, i mean yeah it was just no, it's worse. It's it's much dirtier than Walking Dead, for example. Even even in some ways, worse, worse, w- worse war. world than that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, you still watching Walking Dead? Yeah, of course. But just I'm waiting for the next episodes. Yeah, tonight. Oh, it is. Oh wow. Oh oh oh. We don't have cable. You, oh oh, because you get it. In, oh block. Oh, yeah, I, I yeah. think you're just watching. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it tonight. That's and that's the first one starting up again. Oh no no it's it's been on for. You're talking about the second half of the yeah. season? Oh, great. I'll be able to go to Amazon and buy that then. It's been a few weeks, at least. Sweet. Three or four weeks, yeah. Okay, that's great. Um, what else do I have to ask you about? Math? Oh, uh, so um, let's get back to math in a second. Um, first, I want to say that, so my my year of no, the, the, the great yeah. disentangling, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, yeah, is is going well. Oh, great! Like, so I had one consulting project that I was doing for a friend of mine. Um, they, they, it's like a, it's a micro. tweets? No, no, no. This is like a mobile analytics, um, platform, and I built like a what they call an, an engagement, um, system for them. Yeah. Um, and oh, you know, this buddy of mine, he's from, he's a good right, was one of my best friends from college. You know, he called me up and asked me if I could help him out because he. He he came from sort of the the trading world, building back end trading software. He didn't know anything about you know JavaScript and you know, front end type of development. Yeah. And um, they had gotten a uh, an estimate from some guy, and it was just twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars. It was just ridiculous. And and hey, this this guy had done work for them before, but they're just he's like, how long do you think it'll take? And you know, I I estimated lower than what it ended up being, but that's be- I estimated probably twenty hours, but that's because when you first pitch them to them and it's, it's not as complicated as it turns out to be, right? There's, yeah, there's this, and there's this and this. So it ended up being, I said, I don't know, 20 hours or something. It turned out being 40 hours, but it's deployed and like really, really slick. Um, so, but I finished that to send off an invoice. So nice. that's like, and that's a nice thing like, you know, done. 
you know, wipe your hands. Like, there, it's deployed. Boss is happy. Everybody's happy. He understands that he can maintain it. And God's tweets? Yeah, so we're kind of stuck in this situation where... Um, so we, we, we were rejected most recently because this thing called an advertiser identifier. And if you go on, when you submit an app, you, you have to check this box that says, you know, do you do in-app advertisements or something, right? And the problem was that the Facebook module we use, um, it's like you have, it, it somehow like indirectly triggers that. As, a, as showing advertisements. Huh. But we don't show advertisements. So when we said, because one time we submitted and they said, oh, we do advertisements because, you know, the Facebook, even though we don't do them, but because the Facebook module. And they said, well, you're rejected because you said you do advertisements, but you don't. <laughs> and we said, okay. <laughs> we don't do And then we said, we don't do them. And then they said, but it's triggered, so you do. So we're like, <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of in this situation where we're not really sure. Aren't you with that module just like comment the, the lines out well the modules built in you know objective c and you know it's not it's not easy it's not javascript i don't know objective c i don't know coca i don't know x you know i mean but is the module pre-compiled or is it in yeah, source code i mean i you i don't know i mean i mean i, I don't know i i downloaded the module and I, I think i don't know if it gets built through when xcode when titanium builds and then calls of xcode i don't know yeah but i don't know enough about it i'm not i mean I'm not going to do it for free, and I'm not going to. I don't feel like I can charge them my hourly rate to go around and mess around with Objective C code because I could spend four hours in and get nowhere. Right? You have like a de- like. I would love to see see it in action. Do you have a? You just dying to see this thing. Like it's. I know. Important to you. I don't. Why do you care? It's like not even that big a deal. I will, do you have it like a dev version on your phone? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have a look at it afterwards. I'm sure. I think you may have already shown it to me, but I wanted to have a yeah. look. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's alright. But again, you know, it's like. And I, I think I did, I pulled off some pretty good stuff, but it's like, it's not my app, right? Yeah. I mean, I didn't make all the choices about what it does and doesn't do. You yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, you go, well, why'd you do that way? I'm like, my choice, dude. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is for a client, you know? They right. wanted it a certain way. They wanted, look at I did it. They did what they wanted. Kind of, that's, that's kind of like a funny and interesting top. Well, not funny, but interesting topic in its own right about clients making decisions about UI when they haven't spent 20 years building UI, but they get really like focused on how it's going to look and what it should do and the way it should work. And they, I mean, you see so many apps that are just so poorly designed and yeah. so difficult to use because kind of headstrong people really want to do it in a certain way. Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, obviously I designed a lot of stuff and I mean, they just kind of think, and I said, and I would just do things. I'm like, I think this is the way it should do. And they were like, yeah. okay, it looks great. But, you know, it was more sort of a collaborative thing within the, within what they wanted done. You know, I would do certain things and they would like it. And then, but some things it was just like, you know, like say the way the tab bar looks, you know, they had a design already. Okay. Let's go with it. You know, I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, whereas you, with what you're doing, I mean, you're just designing it exactly how you want it. Are tab bars, are tab bars taboo these days? I, I think, yeah. I think a tab bar is good if you have a, if it's not, if it doesn't have as much functionality. Yeah. I think if you have a lot of functionality, a lot of categories of functionality, it might be easier to have a a slide out something. One thing that you've, um, you told me to do that I kind of like push back against, you told me to build it for Android and iPhone at the same time. 
And I did push back against that. But then I thought, oh, God, all right, I'll try and do it, see what it's like. And actually, it's it's easier than I thought. If you do it right, you know, mm-hmm. if you if you just think it through, it's kind of the same as like you were saying, uh, you know, Firefox and IE or whatever. If you kind of just think it through ahead, it's a little bit easier. If you built this really elaborate, comp- back in the day, when you if you built a really elaborate uh, UI, it only worked on IE6 and you didn't do it in Firefox or vice versa. Oh, it's screwed. And then you tried to open up and everything is broken. It's like, where do you even start? Yeah. And it just it's so painful and so time consuming. But if you just, every time you take a step, test it in both browsers. Or like I had, you know, when I were doing, we were doing Prezo, Guyon and I would test it in Firefox 1.2, in IE6, in Safari, and we'd try in the Mac. We would run through like five or six of the major browsers on different platforms to make sure, you know, and then we just do it that way. Um, you know, and it's always annoying because you run in like, ah, oh, what's going on with Firefox now? You know, but if you came back later, I, I just almost wouldn't be doable. You just, you'd rationalize not doing it, you know, yeah. and Titanium. I've seen that happen. And I tried that with Titanium. I had had something and I tried to go and I said, oh, and I had just been building and testing on the iOS simulator. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I, can't, I haven't even tested on, on Titanium. And of course, I mean, on uh, Android and everything was screwed up. And this was a relatively simple project. And it was like a whole day of me spending time and it was still, and I'm like, okay. I, mm. And then I read some recommendations from Titanium. Like they recommended you do them both at the same time. Yeah, do it from the ground And I, I learned my lesson like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but th- that's kind of when you should be doing your framework stuff as well. You know, yeah. framework level stuff like transition. Well, see now, see, by testing them both at the same time, you're learning a lot of lessons. And you're not sort of um, tightening the screw so much. So you're like, well, I want the UI to be sem- somewhat consistent on the platforms. I mean, they need to respect the platform that it's on and be like, feel native to those people. But I want as much commonality, the brand into the UI experience as I can get, given that. Well, if you build the whole thing on one platform, you, you necessarily really start gravitating towards how things are done on that platform. And then trying to retrofit and reinvent another one is really hard too. And so what you end up doing is you end up just putting off doing making the switch because it's going to be such an investment of time that you don't do it for a long time. But nowadays, you know, your 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 client base is going to be somewhere near half of of, of are going to be one platform or the other. It's true. Android really is I mean, it's, prevalent. It's not even like the old days where, you know, I mean, even if like a third of it was IE or something or 20%, you still had to make sure we're going to IE. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, some companies have just said, well, we're just not going to worry about Android or something. Or I don't know why. Like at this stage, that's crazy. You can't. I mean, especially if it's not, especially if it's like a service. I mean, it's a, I mean, essentially it's a UI interface to a service. And that's what you got, you're building. Mm-hmm. It's not the app. It's not an app that just sits there in isolation. It's, it's you know, it's part of a much bigger thing. Mm-hmm. And I think those in particular um, need to become on both platforms. So I'm glad you've done. I mean, you've, you've um, I think, you, well, you've taken all of my advice and it's paid off for you. So I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I would be very unhappy if I took my advice, you took my advice and it turned out to be a mistake. And you're like, Jason, you really, you wasted three weeks of my time because I listened to your stupid advice. I'm glad <laughs> it worked out and paid off for you. Um, yeah. I mean, of course. They weren't like super detailed. They were kind of just general overarching things, you know, that were really like, you know, you can, you can do it any way you want. I just, but, oh, and you, you were using Jenny motion for your, um, yeah. 
as, as opposed to the Android emulator, which is way, way, way better, right? Because mm-hmm. if you had tried to use Android emulator, like, you were almost ready to give up. Yeah, yeah, that's just... Because you, you were doing you, cli- it- you basically click compile with the, with the kind of built-in typical Android, Android um, emulator that's supplied by Google, and it just, it takes like half an hour. Like a nightmare. With Genymotion, it does it instantly. Now, when I was initially playing around Genymotion, because so God's Tweets is only on iPhone. Yeah. They didn't want to do double. <laughs> so, against my advice, but that's what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I haven't played around with Genymotion in a long time, but I remember getting a bunch of emails of how there's now like a professional version, like there's the sort of free version that lacks a lot of the, the a lot of the things that you're going to want in a pro version. Do you, do you have? I just experience? did the free version. It seems fine. I mean, it, it just, it, it plays the app. What's the difference? Do you know? Have you even looked into it? Uh, no, not really. You might want to look into it. There could be yeah. some tools. I mean, the other thing about you. Maybe some debugging tools. Yeah. You're not adverse to spending a little money on services like that when they say, yeah, yeah, sure, a lot of yeah. people get really prickly about that. They're like, I'm not going to pay $10 oh, a month no, for this. Fine. Where you're like, dude, this, if this saves me an hour in the month, in one month, Ten dollars is a bargain, right? Yep. And so you happily spend that money, and would probably spend. That's the kind of thing could obviously save a lot more than an hour a month of of just painful debugging of some kind of issue. So, do you have any tech leaks, by the way? Uh, I do, but I have more, uh, more yeah, topics and stuff, things that I just would want to talk then. about. Um. Oh wait. Uh. Nothing. Well, so one thing I've been doing, you know. I've been, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm really trying to simplify my life. Yeah. And I've, so my soccer, because of my injury, because I can't, I can't play sports right now, I can't play soccer and decided to take a break from the soccer team for a while. So I've been running the soccer team for years and we were kind of a situation where we were just having a hard time getting enough guys to the game. We were playing one or two men short every game. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the good thing was that we had so many talented players that we could still win a lot of games, you know, even playing short, which was, there was something about that was kind of cool, but it was also kind of frustrating because you're like, you know, you're fighting, you know, five guys against seven and you're, you know, you're trying to, I don't know, it's just, um, it was sort of stressful, you know, it's like, hey, we have a game tonight, we have four guys that respondents have come. Great, you know, so that's on hold. I can't play basketball on Sunday nights. Um, because it's the same injury. Um, I'm done with you know, the athletic thing. God's tweets, I mean, it's effectively nothing to do right now. We're just sort of doing appeals or whatever to, uh, to Apple. Um, I don't know, then Empath done, Kryptonite done, uh, out. So it's like things are getting real simple, and it's nice. It's nice to have a Sunday and feel like, you know, I could put a little work into Uber, or I could, uh, you know, they might, I need, might need to create a problem set for the, for, you know, get a jump start on the problem sets I'm going to create for the math class. Or I can do nothing. <laughs> just read, you know? <laughs> and, uh, like, this is, this is good, you know? I mean, I, I, I just was running myself so ragged for so long, trying to keep so many balls in the air. And it's just, it's just, uh, not great. Anyway, it feels, I'm really liking the simpler life for a while. Um, <clears throat> That's cool. And then one of the things I was doing, I was like trying to simplify in lots of ways and like just clean out, declutter my life in general. And one of the things I was trying to declutter was all the books I have. Because you've seen, you see my office is just stacked to the rim with books. And I mean, I have all the, I have tons of shelves that are all packed and and they're just packed to the the ceiling. And then I have stacks on the floor of books because I can't anywhere to put them. 
And so I started going through and I was like, you know, why do I have books on like XML and ASP and PHP 4.0 and, you know, SQL Server 6 from like 2000? I mean, all. Did you read all those books? Uh, you know, some are more technical books where it's like you read, you would read. I mean, nobody reads like professional PHP 4. You just don't need them with the internet now. Yeah, well, that's true. It's like with all the technical books, when it comes to like frameworks and languages, it's, I mean, it's it much just, faster to just do a Google query. I wonder like whether O'Reilly is, is making way less money because of that. I don't know. It'll be interesting to know. But they probably make money. They make more money in conferences. <coughs> they, I don't know, maybe the Safari. I mean, they have that like Safari, um, or is that, is that Apple that does it where you can just pay like a monthly subscription and have access to all their electric books online. Yeah, I mean, I used to get by all those kind of books, you know, like PHP 5 for professionals or something like that. But I just, you just no need for them anymore. Yeah, like 10 Ajax books. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, from, like, 2000, all you from, need from, like, is, 2005, is to know? find a, like a screencast now to get an introduction to something. Like, say, Rabbit, you know, how does Rabbit MQ work or how does titanium work? Just find a screencast introduction. Like I, I looked at a screencast and that was like, okay, cool. You know, I, I probably only watched even half of the screencast. That's and then you it. start using yeah, it. Yeah. 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 I mean, Google is just faster than going out of your bookshelf and go, okay, which book is it? Which chapter? And then flipping through and seeing if there's something on yeah. it. And it's inevitably this stuff just gets out of date like, really quickly. I, I literally, when I pick up a book, I literally find myself thinking you know, like, and trying to search it in some way like where where's the search box on this thing it doesn't have one where's the search box? yeah <laughs> so i i've gone through and i i went i had a stack of probably like 25 books and i took those and, have, and then i then i did another sweep <laughs> and i have another stack up to maybe my shoulder and height of books that you're getting rid of yeah and i'm getting rid of what are you going to do with them i'm, I'm just taking you know at first i was trying to think what i could do but you know most a lot of those books are not the kind of books that a used bookstore would want you know because they're out of date they're just sort of um What's the word of time when uh, when technology is no longer in use? Deprecated? Uh, Irrelevant? Well, yeah, effectively, but um, I, I can't think of the word. But so I but I didn't want. To, I felt guilty throwing throwing away as a way to recycle it. And I went. I was looking at the re- recycling, and they don't take books. You can just place they take newspapers, but I just went and took them to uh, Goodwill. They'll take them. I'm like, okay, fine. Okay. So just cleaning out books, cleaning off my desktop. Cleaning off, I'm just like getting rid of stuff. This is like the the year of spring cleaning. No and spring clean. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not taking anything new and I'm trying to get everything old out and re- just a refresh. Just Because what I've noticed is that, you know, this is probably anyone notices this when they do it, but when you make things, when you make, get rid of old stuff, you make room for new stuff. And whether it's new ideas, new opportunities, everything like that, right? And we're full of, of, of just, whether it's, physical clutter or intellectual clutter or time clutter, you, um, you kind of get stuck. You know, you sometimes it's really just do a refresh, just like select all delete, you know, screw it. Well, if, if we were ever going to do a final show <laughs> after that, this, this would be like <laughs> <laughs> the right time to, to just ax this thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it has crossed my mind. <laughs> I'm just deleting everything. Just delete Next thing. everything. Well, you know, it's like everything has its lifespan, and after a while, sometimes it's time to do move on to do something new. You know, um, and 
you know, the one thing about the show, though, is we don't do it that much, so it doesn't really take up a whole lot of time. Um, but yep. I don't know. I'm feeling good just kind of getting rid of stuff. Um, well, on another topic, um, I, uh, do you remember I talked, there was a guy, uh, a friend of mine wanted to introduce me to like two or three different people. He's like, oh, you got to meet this guy. I remember how I was like, dude, quit doing the intros, not yeah. the intros, you know? Um, well, the one guy that I met in person, um, we've, um, we've kind of become, uh, we, we had, we had a really fun time talking to a really good guy and, uh, um, <coughs> He's actually he's actually doing stuff. He's not just talking about it, and has actually done some stuff. And he he's kind of he was kind of in a situation where he was a little frustrated with the equity role aspects of things. And he's like, I don't know if I should do this or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I, <laughs> I would get out of there. I'd say I'd, I'd come up with a new idea and find a white accommodator or something. I mean, you're the right age. You don't have any kids. You're not married. You're like, you know, whatever he is, twenty seven, twenty eight, or something. I'm like come up with a really good idea and do that. And he's like, well, and, and I, I said, here's what you should do. Just come up with like 10 ideas a day, every day for 10 days. Yeah. And he actually did it. And he, so he, he emailed me a list and it was just huge. It wasn't just an idea. It was like a whole paragraph about each idea. Mm. And in the first day he came with like 15 and he burned himself out. And then the next day he had nothing. <laughs> it was really hard. And I said, yeah, you want to leave something in the tank at the end of the day. You know, it's just like in the gym. You don't want to burn yourself out. So you don't want to come in the next day. Every day you go, oh, I could have lifted a little more weight. Like you just come in and feeling a little hungry. Like, I, I you know, you got something there already. And so first time he did that. And so he came up with this huge list. And I was, I was impressed. I was like, you know, I get, a, I get emails from a lot of people asking me for advice, whether it's about startups or consulting or trading or whatever. And... I, I'll, I'll say go do X, and then I never hear from him again. So the, the the easiest way and the most polite way to get rid of people is have them say, "Well, I'm going to give you advice, but go do X and then get back to me." Mm. But they don't. Nobody wants to do any work. <laughs> nobody nobody does work. They just like to think about it, and and so that's like the best way. Because then because then you know, and if they have done the work, then great, I'll talk to them again. You know, but if you haven't done it, like why am I'm, I'm not going to waste my time? I don't even know who you are. You know, I've never met, you know, we have no relationship and you're taking up my time and sort of earn my time or any more of my time. I'll give you a polite five minutes, you know, reply, but I'm not going to do more than that unless you earn it through taking some advice and doing something, which ultimately will benefit you. Were any of his ideas any good? Yeah. So we had lunch on, um, on Friday and we brought the printout stack for us <laughs> and we went, we only got through five of them. <laughs> Yes, I like the first three out of the gate. I'm like, these are good. And one of them was really good. I told Sandy, Sandy's like, yeah, that is a really good idea. I That's like great. That and I came up with a, uh, a really good name, I think, for it. And uh, <laughs> You always do. I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought that's my mediocre superpower. <laughs> Just coming yeah. up with names for stuff, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah, I I think it could work really well. Um but I said, let's, uh, why don't we, why don't we try and grab lunch once every couple of weeks and we'll keep working through ideas. But I said, I think that one, that one right there, it could be a winner. Can he build it? Yeah. Yeah. It's- I think there's a lot more hustle involved than, um, than technology. I mean, technology is standard technology. It's just really going to be about just 
making, you know, which is good because there's a lot of technologists out there who can build a mobile apps or whatever gets done, but they don't really want to do too much beyond that. You know, they want to just keep it. They don't want to get their hands dirty and deal with all this, the logistical things that make businesses work. Yeah. You now they want to like, what, how can I just create this little blah, 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 cool game and just publish on the web and the money will start coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, problem is there's so many people can do that, that it, that it sort of is, it, it becomes quickly crowded with competitors and, mm undervalued or whatever and so i mean there's a few there's a few companies that have worked that way and everyone looks like oh i wish i had done that company i just wrote some code and i didn't have to do any any messy work and i made millions and millions of dollars yeah i mean you know some of those happen those are the ones that happens every now and again yeah, yeah and then everybody just keeps trying to replicate it one way or another but i thought that was really cool 100 ideas 10 10 ideas you know 10 ideas a day for 10 days i mean i just kind of pulled that out of my hat i just said well <laughs> you know on my ass i said look I said, you know, I, my old favorite saying, and I've said it a number of times on the show, is, is there a quote from Linus Pauling, who won a Nobel Prize in uh, chemistry. He said, you know, when asked, how do you come up with a great idea? He's like, the best the way to come up with a great idea is to come up with a lot of ideas. Mm. And if you come up with a lot of ideas, you're just much, it's like that funnel, like that customer funnel, you know, these is an idea funnel. The problem is people come up with one idea and they fall in love with it. And then they rationalize all the reasons they want the, that it's going to be great. And then you ask people, do you think this is a good idea? Do you think this is a good idea? And it's like, it's like, so I'm your friend or at least friendly with you. And you're asking me if this idea is great. I don't want to tell you that's a crap idea. Most people don't say that. You know? But doesn't Paul Graham say the best ideas are the ones that sound stupid, but actually are not stupid? Well, it's a few people have said that. I'm not sure it's Paul Graham is the originator, but there's a few people have said that. Like the crazier it is. You know, because a lot of the best ideas, things that have turned to be world-changing ideas, sounded really crazy at the time. Pretty dumb. Really just like, I don't know, how why are people going to want that? Or, yeah. I mean, it just sounds undoable or just, I don't get it. They don't get it. Yeah. If people get it immediately, sometimes it's hard. But I don't, that's not true across the board. And, and uh, you know, and there's a question, there's the world disruptor ideas. But there are a lot of ideas that, or can be very successful companies that aren't world disruptors. Yeah. Not everything's going to be a Google or Facebook. Right. You know, and a lot of people will be very, very happy with a business that became a $5 million business, right? You don't have to have a, 50, yeah. no, a no. $250 billion business to be happy, right? So we like, oh, I can work on this cool project. I can solve this problem. I don't have a boss. I can do, yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. That's like 95% of what you're going to get personally and and then and, and like what do you okay unless you have this this really big need to be a really big deal in the world and have everybody know who you are and some people have that you know. but i i have I had a question for you about uber and i'm slightly hesitant to ask you because often when i ask you those questions you like i'll promise okay. my answer before saying is that i may not be able to answer it i mean i do not know 99 percent. no it's just an opinion it's just opinion like they did you uh, the of the the lawsuits about what um you know the the worker status like whether you're a full time employee or a kind of contractor employee. Well, the, there's a big one against Lyft, and the problem yeah. is, as far as I understand, Lyft has um, Lyft Lyft's impl- drivers are much closer to being employees because they only work certain hours and they have a lot more control over when they work and all these kinds oh, of things. Right, Where right. Uber is very, very much arm, you know, 10 foot pole distance. Okay. And I think that was very conscious because they knew that that could become a problem later on. 
And yeah. so I think they're in a much stronger position. But yeah, well, the, so the, so the, so the, there is a lawsuit against both of them and um, both uh, about this about whether they should the employees should be you know classed as um, whether drivers who whether, are yeah drivers are basically full time employees and you should give them like health benefits right and uh, you know tax pay their taxes and all that kind of stuff and so in both in both cases in the court the judge basically said I'm not going to dismiss this I'm going to hand this over to you know this you're going to have to take this to a jury trial both uber and lyft so i just wonder what the implications would be like if the jury ends up saying okay you know it's not contract workers like you have to do health benefits for everyone what would the implications be there could could they make it through that i mean could that yeah that's not gonna kill this company but just be expensive yeah you probably it probably changed the nature i mean it would very much expedite the move towards automated cars that's what i was thinking i was thinking yeah like it's like Wait, cars. Yeah, wait, you know, wait like, to just get rid of everyone's jobs, guys. You know. Yeah, well, that's what happens a lot of times in the world is when a when a group of people overreach, the the counterparty finds a way around it one way or the other. Yeah. You know, in, whether on either side of the table you're at, you know, and uh, you know that could. I mean, but you know, we're still probably three to five years off from seeing the first self-driving car for Uber or anybody else. I would think on the road. Interesting. Yeah. But um. Yeah, but so it, I guess it just, it, it's just about profit margin. It's just going to eat into profit margin. That's really like, what it's you about. You know, then, of course, ta- all taxi drivers and most of the employees. I mean, I don't know if they're employees. I mean, every, all these people. See, it, it, could, it would really, because especially with Uber, because Uber, it's very much when you want to work, as seldomly as you want to or infrequently as you want to work, or whatever, yeah. then that could, it'd be dangerous because it could classify a huge percentage of our economy as employees and it would screw things up for i mean we have a we have a huge freelance economy right now yeah and if all of a sudden like well that's what that's what they're that's what TechCrunch and, and these guys are talking about they're saying if these cases go the wrong way it could break the sharing the shared economy not just the shared economy the freelance economy which is a hundred times that size people huh. who like if everybody who works every once in a while doing contract work for this company or that company would now have to be classified as employees you know, because you just go the next step, it becomes a slippery slope. Then, you know, well, then they're going to be like, they're not going to use contract work a lot of the time. Yeah, the companies won't. They're use not going to work. They would not work with individuals. They'd only work with established, with individuals who create company shells and do all this stuff. And if it could in any way be seen that, you know, hey, we're not going to hire this contract developer to do this stuff because he's just like an employee based on the, the judgment that went against Uber. This person is not an employee, even though he only. Right, he's off premises. He works for other clients, and he's now employed because he does. You know, can screw things up. There's a lot of unintended consequences when you start trying to. Well, yeah. So basically, the thing is, is what they're saying is, is that the, it's the, it's the lawyers, like see this big pie, you know, and the lawyers basically are like have bright eyes and like, okay, we can sue the crap out of these businesses, and get all this money for these clients. Yeah, you know, I mean. You know the different types of like a lawyer's feeding frenzy. What happens in that happens in all parts of our our um, our economy and world. I mean, things that have become you know like there's so many things you can't do because of liability reasons nowadays. Things that like the 80s or 70s you could do because of liability. Like what? Oh, I don't know. I pick a many. Like I, I remember we couldn't go with this this public pool in Las Vegas where my in laws live. Yeah. Summer couldn't do uh, flips off the dime board. Liability. I mean, I that was mean. just one. There was a million things I've seen like that. I can't do liability, liability, can't do skateboarding here, can't do, 
playing here, can't ride the bike, everything's liability. Yeah. And it just, it's like, yeah, you know, somebody got unlucky, had an accident, hit their head. And then head, they sued. This, and they sued, and now it becomes very, very expensive to provide things for people or to make things available to people to use or for, you know, and it becomes, you know, as, as soon as, as soon as you start taking away people's personal responsibility and saying it's other people's fault, it just keeps going that direction. Pretty soon, um, you know, everybody, we're all children and there's only big institutions that can take care of us. And then you lose a lot of freedom and a lot of, it's not really like that. And to the same degree, like in the UK, I'm not sure about the rest of Europe, but it, it's not as litigious as it is in the US. Like, yeah, and that could be cultural. It could be just their legal system. Just some subtle. There could be some subtle things in the legal system to make it so that it doesn't happen as much. The way jury towards trials work, or the way awards are done. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. But yeah. All right. Well, so I'm, I'm glad you answered. Um. But you know, again, I, I mean, I'm talking to somebody who. I mean, I don't know any. I read about it in the. In the I read about it in the uh, news article yeah i don't go up to uber and sit in a meetings hearing about it. it's like i don't even know this was not a question you to you, you this was not a question to you as an uber employee it's just like yeah, as an yeah as just a person in the world it's a person in the world who is has an interest in uber yeah i mean so you know for instance um you know like i i you, i think you read more about uber than i do and i don't talk when I go up to um, Uber, I mean, I, I, you know, once every month or two and work with them, you know, occasionally I'll talk to my guys and hear about some things that we're working on that are kind of cool. But a lot of times there's just so many initiatives going on and doing so many things and very few people know about them all. And I'm talking to people in the engineering department and they're just building stuff. And so I don't have time to sit around and go, so what, you know, I'm, what, what, what's going on in the future? How are we dealing with law? <laughs> I don't know. Nobody knows. You know, I'd be like, dude, I'm trying to get the new version of the real-time system built, and I'm actually working on <laughs> Dispatch Core, which does the demand. So, you know, I mean, they, people are so working at such a small slice of it. Mm. So that brings up another topic. So what I'm working on right now, I don't know if I brought it up last time. I guess maybe I did. So I'm building a simulator for the new version of the real-time platform. Yeah. So um, the, the new real-time platform, I guess, I, I mean, I don't really know all how each piece works, but they're separating the the different services out, demand and supply and I don't know, all these different things, right? And there's like 60, well, it's been two months, there's probably more, maybe 70 people work in the, in the real-time group. 70 people. That's Crazy. just in the real-time systems. There's Oops. four, there were, at least in January, there were 400 engineers. I, I mean, so... What do you do with 400 engineers? I have no idea. I mean, I mean what, how many does Google have? What do they all do? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's how many does Twitter have? They just, I don't know. I mean, it's just hard to comprehend unless you have a big flow chart and you have a list of all the projects and all the things that each one do. Maybe, maybe it all makes sense in the end. But if you're not given a big uh, list of all the different projects that are being developed and the giant roadmap and what each team is responsible and what, I mean, maybe if you mapped it all out, you go, oh, okay, well, actually, no, we do need. Kind of, it kind of shows you why a small startup with five people can make massive headway against a large company with 400 engineers is the inertia <laughs> yeah i mean um but the uber is still at the is really aggressive and they're moving slow, much more slowly than they were say two years ago or three years ago but they're moving way faster than most companies and um so they're still they're still kind of like you know they're like a, a 20 year old 
You know, they're right. not a crazy 15-year-old anymore, but they're not like a, you know, 45-year-old as a kid and be like, ah, Martin, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to stay up all night working on this. You know what I mean? It's sort of kind of in that era range. So, um, not that that's a perfect analogy or anything, but um, anyway, so what, what's been going on with me is, so I'm building this simulator, but the simulator has to communicate with all of these underlying services. And it has to communicate with a real-time API. The problem is that a lot of the stuff just isn't built yet. Or it's like mm -hmm. under construction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this piece, that I'm, underlying piece that I'm trying to talk to is under construction. Or is it not completely done? This piece hasn't been built with. It's just, you know, whatever. This piece has a, this thing that was done for Uber Rush was sort of just a temporary thing that's not going to move forward. So you can't look at that. But the thing is, Nobody really, or very few people that I've talked to have perspective on all those pieces. Mm. They just don't know. I'll talk to George or say, oh, I don't know, like this, you, you probably need to talk to, you know, uh, Hui on that. Talk to Hui. He's like, oh, you need to talk to this like guy. Like the Rob. horror movie, The Cube. The Cube is basically like that. It's a horror movie about, about you walk into this room. And then the room has an exit out of the top. You know, every, 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 the, yeah. every everything has an exit. But, and no one knows who built it, but just like different groups around the world build one room and then it all gets put together. Yeah, well, it's it's really frustrating because it's like, <laughs> I'm trying to get this to work, but and all of these well-meaning smart people are trying to help me, but they don't know. They're like, I don't know why that won't work. You should talk to this guy. And then I go talk to that guy and he's like, yeah, maybe you should go talk to this guy. I'm like, all right, talk to him. He said, talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they're like, well, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you. You know, and it's tough because it's just, I think the nature, I mean, I'm building, I'm basically building the first app that's going to run on the new platform. I'm mm -hmm. building a simulator that's going to simulate all the drivers and clients and it's going to really stress test and make use of all the new services. So I'm, so essentially I'm the first one. Yeah. So guess what happens to the guy who's in the front of the who run? He's running point. You imagine going through the jungle. He's the guy who gets shot. <laughs> he's the guy who gets the booby trap stepped in the landmine, right? You know, and I've like had my foot blown off 15 times already. I'm like, what does this, does it, this, the spec doesn't match up with the spec? And I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> what are we going to do? So, um, I mean, the good thing is that, you know, so Amos is the one who'd asked me to build this because I had built one before. And he obviously understands that. He's like, yeah, I know. He's like, you know, but I mean, somebody's got to, we've got to get this thing built and, you know, somebody's got to run point, right? Somebody's going to run the first app. And um, so it's been a, it's been an interesting experience. I mean, the good thing about building the simulator is that now I've become very well acquainted with all the new, the entire new platform. I like, I'll know more about it than most people because everybody else is siloed. Well, I'm working on Disco. I'm working on Demand. Yeah. Or I'm working on the RTPA. I'm like, well, I'm, the, the simulator has to talk to all of it. It does, just doesn't do personal transport. It does rush, which is a whole other side of the business and it has to do every, you know. So that's been kind of cool. Yeah, nice. Working on it. It's just been, running point is just painful. I feel like, you know, just getting, land, running the landmine after landmine. And then, <laughs> well, the thing is, it's like, so, you know, writing code takes time. But when you're writing code on, like, on things that are not finished and are in transition and are not working correctly and then not many people know about it, it's like what happens is, Things aren't working uh, by no for no fault of my own. Yeah, it's not because I'm an idiot. It's not because I'm not working. It's because it doesn't work, and nobody's aware that it doesn't work. 
but I don't want to immediately go, it's broken. I have to try and figure out maybe it's me, right? You don't be like, oh, your stuff's broken. You have to like try everything first for your time. Yeah. So I spend three hours chasing down. I'm like, oh, I think the thing is broken. And then you finally get down to the right person. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's not, that's not working yet. You're like, great. <laughs> I just spent my entire morning chasing my tail. That sucks. Um, but, you know, I guess that's what I get paid for, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's part of, it's part of, uh, it's part of the what it takes, but it will be really cool because um, building a simulator is kind of neat because you can sim- I'll be able to simulate thousands of you know tens of thousands of drivers and clients running around some nice city virtual city and doing <laughs> all this stuff. And the thing is, a lot of guys, you know, they had never even considered a thought of a simulator. Like a simulator? Well, what is that? And I'm like, well, imagine like you have all these endpoints that do supply and demand and matching of trips and all that stuff and like you guys wrote a bunch of tests to like create a driver create a client well imagine what would happen if you had this virtual environment where you just send all these drivers and clients and making requests and trips and stuff and, and see how to see if the system works yeah right and then all of a sudden people say their lives are like oh wait that's really cool oh wait we get for stress testing oh wait we could use that for this purpose never so all of a sudden there's all these ideas on how to nice how to leverage it and uh that's something cool, you know. I mean, I was kind of working on stuff for a while that was much more UI tool focused, and it was just not that. That was fine, you know. I was, you guys working with George was a really cool guy, and it was, you know. But at the same time, it wasn't really that challenging. Yeah, you know. That's why Amos is like, dude, we got to get you working on something a little more, you know, important. But um, all right. Well, um, we're we're getting to that time. Wow, I didn't even get to talk about anything. Was there anything you want to wrap the show up with? Wrap it up. Did we just get started? What time is it? One twenty-four so far. Jeez. Okay. Well, I guess I can talk about any of my links because I want to. One other thing I want to talk about. Let's see. Two things. I'll, I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk about two things. One. One is small. So, you know, now that I have a little time, I'm not gonna do this now. But uh, you know, I've been talking over and over about building like a little note-taking app, like a way of like, of like, it, when I'm reading when I'm reading yeah. articles, be able to select some text and say, I want to yeah. remember that. You know, as an extension. But you know you can't build like these extensions for on Chrome for iPad. They, just, they don't. There's no way to. This, they don't do it. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, you know, but it's easy enough to build an app with a web view. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So essentially, all I need to do is have something where I can easily just save stories, and then I just have a list of stories that I save, just a queue, and then I can just click on them and open up in a web view, and then when I just select text and hit save, select test, post, you know. I mean, it's not something you do in an afternoon, but it wouldn't be that big of a project. Yeah, it sounds kind of, very possible. It'd be kind of fun to do. So it's kind of like, I mean, I use Instapaper to read through stuff, but a lot of stuff that Instapaper has or whatever I don't use, I don't need it. It's just it's just a queue of stories that I can read, you know. What would your notes look like? Would you, would you like, tag them as you saved them or um, be one big stream? I, no, I mean, I you could make a... I, I would probably just, for the simplest case, that let's say you're reading this article and there's like two different points that you thought were really interesting. Like, I don't remember. Here's a quote or here's a, a statistic or something. Just select it and then just hit like, you know, save or whatever. And so you'd have like two notes would be saved with that link, right? Yeah, it makes sense. So you just see the title and then you just see the two notes. But really what you could do is you could turn on whatever view you want to do. You could have a list of, you could look at it like a, 
later, if you wanted to look at it, if you had like a web interface or whatever, or even the interface of this thing, you'd have a, you have a list of notes or you have just a list of links and like, this is three notes, this is two notes. But really you'd have a stream of things that you've saved and then it just emails you once a day using this space memorization, like here thing, here's something from a week ago, from three days ago. But in its own right, that would be a great TLDR for other people because all the stuff that you read is it going to be interesting. You're going to highlight a couple of interesting points. So someone like me could just come along and look at your list Right, and that's all I'd need to need to read. Like, oh, here, here, like here's the main point of these articles. <laughs> yeah, right. That'd be cool. Yeah, it, it would be sort of TLDRing it indirectly, I guess. Right, yeah. rather than writing a summary, you'd be just a lot of times, you know, from the, given the title of the story, there's usually like one or two essential points that are usually in the text somewhere where you don't have to create, craft them themselves. You just like that. These fifteen words that yeah. pretty much that that did it. Sums it. That sums it up right there. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? That would be very cool. Yeah, it's that. That could be a social app. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I was just kind of thinking, like, if I have some time, and I'm not committing to it, I'm not going to build it. I'm just been thinking, like, it, it might, I might prototype it. Just say, if I get a web view, can I click on something where it brings up a little box, saves it, and just do that? And then if I can just get that to work right, then all I would need to do is to build like a uh, a Chrome extension. Pretty so sure that-, that you can inject it to web views. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you probably could. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like 95, 90% sure that you can do it. I just, like, I haven't done it, so... I mean, the, t- the tough part is going to be... Not really that tough. Well, no, there it is. Like, I, I don't know how easy it's going to be talking to the native, you know, iPhone select thingy. Like, getting the text from what's selected. Yeah, there's, a, um, there's an event you can fire back and forth between the Titanium web view. Oh, is that? Okay. And the right. uh, Titanium proper. You know, it's probably, you know, it's just kind that of, sounds like a nice little project. That'd be neat. Yeah. I've I just been, you know, I just, uh, this is one of the things I've been wanting to exist for a long, long time. You know, one thing, speaking of things, wanting things to exist, I've seen two sites pop up recently that are similar to this idea that I had called SnapLearn, which I talked about, which oh, yeah. I never got a chance to do, which was sort of like a space learning, uh, learning environment where you would go on and be like, Calculus topics from calculus or topics from you know physics or for computer science or whatever, and it would be broken into topics. and And anyone could come on and write a topic, kind of like Instructables. You could come up and write a topic, and then it would be like you could write a series of questions after it. And so you go to a topic, and you would answer some of the questions to to demonstrate to yourself that you've mastered it. And there'd be a whole list of like here are the topics I've done, here's the mastery, and then it would email you, um, you know, once a day. What are the sites? Huh? What are the sites? Well, there's two sites. One's called Sophia.org. They don't have any of the space memorization or even, or, 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 I don't even know if they have any questions. It's just, but what they've done is they've created topics. A lot of times they'll just have links to, you know, YouTube videos or something. Yeah. So I want to learn about electricity and magnetism. Like, oh, here's a topic. I want to learn about the binomial theorem, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I found is called Brilliant. It's brilliant.org. Yeah. And it, it's like become a brilliant problem solver. And they have like nice little write-ups on these topics followed by actual questions. So... You know, that end up, what I'm talking about may not exist in terms of the space learning stuff, but in terms of like learning pathways and questions and stuff, this thing, something like that is going to evolve, which is cool. Cool. You're falling asleep on me. No, no, no. Not at all. The other idea I had, this, again, these are just things that I think would be fun to do if I had a little time, and I may have the time to do them, but I may not, is a code academy for learning how to do math proofs. So you know how you go on step by step, Code Academy, Hello World, here's how you do it. But one of the hardest transitions in math is going from just solving problems to actually proving that things are true. 
And I've talked about that before a little bit. Like people come from high school and they're really good at math and then they go to college and like, I'm going to major in math. And then it's like everything is proofs and they just like flip out. Like I, they just can't do it. It's like, you know, I don't know, huge, there's a huge amount of attrition, right? And it's mostly because learning to do proofs is, is a whole different thing. Mm. And for a long time, there really were no, very few courses that focused on what they call, what, what, or what you would call a bridge course. Okay, you learned how to do solve calculus problems, you know, you know, trigonometry. Okay, great. Now, how do you prove a theorem? Yeah. And a lot of people like have no idea. They they saw like these two column proofs in geometry from they were in, like tenth grade, but nobody remembers those, and those are just so simplistic and you know, as they're proven that there's almost no transfer between from that. And so I'm thinking that'd be kind of neat if you could do it on a as like a as like a, a website where you go through and it starts out like your sort of hello world. Here's some proof it was like fill in the missing line or which which line is incorrect, and it just where the math that you're proving is very simple. It's like simple number theory, something that's not like, oh, well, you have to learn a bunch of pre-algebra or pre-calculus to even understand the math that they're trying to prove. It's like, this is like, I can teach you the math in three minutes, you know? Yeah, that it's, sounds cool. I was thinking that might be kind of a fun thing to do. You know, you, what about battle math? We need, yeah, we need, yeah, we need yeah, to catch yeah. up on battle math. Is that a good point? The kids keep asking me about that. So I was, I'm going to try and, so spring break is this coming week? Yeah. So we're going to go, we're, we're actually going to go to Big Bear, going to go skiing for a few days. Oh, nice. Oh, I'm jealous. So I was, I was hoping, but when I'm, when Friday, when we get back, I think I might spend a little time on it. Maybe when we're up there, I might spend some time working on it. So I've, I created a system where I create these problem sets, three problem sets a week. And the way I write up the problems is um, with problems and solutions, like literally all those can be created, can be made into cards. So I created this whole, I think I talked about this a while back about how I created a system where I have these files of cards written up in um, in, uh, in YAML problems and solution and they're rated in a difficulty rating from like a 1 to 4, 1 to 5 and you know whatever so I really want to get that out soon um, because I think it would be great to start doing that a little bit before the end of the year because there's a lot of we need to review stuff, there's stuff that I can, they're starting to fade on because we haven't talked about it in a while and um also, I think this summer, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and do, like, once a week we get together and we just play battle math. Like, we already go to Penguin's Yogurt and, you know, <laughs> for an hour, we just, you know, go get ice cream and go yogurt ice cream and play battle math. And so it's a way it tricks them into doing a bunch of uh, math, you know, reviewing the yeah. math, but then it's fun. They eat ice cream and, you know. So so you, you think you'll be able to get the cards printed up? Um, oh, yeah. Well, there's a great... There's a re- great um, website called, like, I think it's, like, makeplayingcards.com and... Yeah. And, and they can do the whole thing for you. So, uh, and you just upload all your images and your, you know, and it, I figured out, and I, I went through this, I already talked about this before, so I won't go into it, but I created a whole process that generates the images in high resolution and perfect size. So, from these um, YAML files. Nice. So, things are pretty close. I think I, I just really need to sit down and just dedicate another 10 to 15 hours on it. And I think I could probably get a, get a starter deck that we That's can explore. Not a lot, you know, but. Problem is, I've spent so much time just creating problem sets for the math class. <laughs> I just haven't had a lot of time, and I've had these other things sucking up my time. You know, it's like if Uber's going well and I'm making good progress on that, and which has been the case lately, and I can, uh, you know, in, in the math classes, and, and all I have that is that in the math class, then I can have some time to do these other things. You know, but um, yeah, you know, we're I'm going to. 
Uh, one of the things I was going to say is I'm going to lose some kids this year. I think I've talked about that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to yeah. end up with like probably five to seven kids, yeah. seven if I'm lucky, for next year, um, which is a real bummer. But um, at least for the kids I have, I want to make sure that they're really on top of stuff because there's a lot of really fun stuff that we can start doing. I've, I've blown through a lot of the Algebra 2 and Trig, so now it's like you know, we can do kind of combinatorics and, and maybe I can start teaching them about proofs or we can do number theory. We can do linear algebra matrices and stuff. There's stuff that's like... You know, I was talking to the dads of one of them, one of the kids the other day, and he's like, yeah, when I was in algebra, I remember looking at the book, and I'd ask my teacher, like, when are we going to do the stuff at the back? Because you look at all these really cool symbols and notations, and the teacher would be like, oh, we're going to go through chapter 12. And he's like, we looks at it, and he's like, we're never going to get into that stuff. So he's like, went to his tutor, and he's like, can we learn this stuff? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. And I was the same way. I always look at the back of the book, like, oh, wow, look at that. What do those <laughs> symbols mean, you know? And so I'm looking at stuff we could do, like, like infinite sums and uh, and like permutation and combination stuff and matrices and uh, I don't know vector stuff that's like you look you, your complex numbers you look at it and it looks really cool it is cool I mean it actually is kind of neat and it's just so the kind of stuff you'd see written on a board in a science fiction movie that's right well yeah. you, know, you you can't underweight the effect looking at these sort of esoteric you no know, looking at the underweight the the how impressive this esoteric notation looks. Yeah. It just looks cool. And <laughs> it looks advanced, you know. And, and, and to some degree, it is advanced in the sense that the ideas are totally different than things they've seen, you know, which is, which is fun. And I'll just, just to kind of um, finish up on the math stuff, one thing we've done in the last two weeks is I had them doing, I taught them basic triangle trigonometry. So we did, you know, sine, cosine, tangent stuff, um, the reciprocal secant, cosecant, uh, cotangent. So they were able to, to solve for sides and angles. And then I taught them the law of sines and law of cosines, which is like not even a right triangle. I'll give you an angle, uh, two angles and a side or three sides or whatever. And you have to figure out which law to use, law of sines or law of cosines. And I'm sure most of your listeners are like, I knew that once, but I don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, because I even had to look it up myself. I had forgotten the law of sines, law of cosines, and when you used it and, and, and under what conditions or whatever. But I was having them do really complex word problems. I'm like, okay, we have, like, there's a satellite here and a satellite here. and a, or like We had two radio towers, and one radio tower saw a plane at this angle, and another, and another radio tower, which was 30 miles away, saw the plane at this angle. How far is the plane from the ground? <laughs> and they were able to, like, well, we're going to use law of sines, and then we're going to divide that into uh, two right triangles, and then we know we can use that hypotenuse, and then we can calculate the... Th- and they were doing two or three different techniques from a word problem and sort of solving it. Nice. It was badass. I was <laughs> like, that's cool. I mean, they were doing it on their own. I mean, at first it was painful. They're like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, they, they were fighting <laughs> me at first. They're like, this is crazy. You're, you're, you know, you're out of your mind. And then they're like, oh, okay. And then, like, and then eventually it becomes, this is easy. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are we even doing this? This is trivial. It goes from you're out of your mind to, I don't even know why you're asking me such a trivial question. <laughs> That's funny. Like, Colby will just do it in his head and be like, okay, well, you just see a lot of signs. That's a sign. Okay, type in the calculator. All right, it's 42.5 degrees. Like, okay. I'd like it if you wrote the, the end of the steps on the paper, please. But that was pretty good. That's nice. So... The fact that they can do that, I mean, if they can do non-right triangle trigonometry in the form of word problems that require multiple steps and not just like T 
teeing up the problem and it's like, oh, this is obvious. Because a lot of times you do problems and you just, you don't do an award problem and you just draw a triangle on the sides and they see like, here are five I've done for you. Here do five in your own. And they could just kind of, so templated that it's just sort of like pattern matching. Yeah. Whereas, but if you give an award problem where it's like, and that was the hardest part because I'm like, and the re- one reason I did the word problems is because I haven't figured out a way to draw triangles and diagrams in the homework without taking a lot of time. Mm. Like I can create equations really quickly using LaTeX, but I don't have like some. You mean to draw them so that they're the right dimensions? Yeah, either are closely right dimensions and say, okay, well, this is theta and this is. I just it just would take forever to yeah. draw those triangles. And the way that when you look at math books or they they use latex because there's these plugins that do it but there's nothing like that for math jack for the web which is what yeah. i use yeah and so i'm just like oh god what a nightmare so i say well i'll just do word problems but that forces them to have to like okay so there's a submarine it's this many meters under the surface it's going to do a slant a, a slant dive yeah. so they have to diagram it out what's going on and then they have to figure <laughs> out what the triangle is which is painful you know and i'm like come on guys just draw with the diagram what's going on and just getting them to like Draw the building and draw the tower and there's a guy, okay, now what do you think the triangle is? Oh, okay, that's triangle. Is it a right triangle? No. Okay, well then it's not a right triangle. What what angle? That's obviously your reference. And so they but I did that to save my at first initially save myself work, but it also made them much better because I didn't tee up the problem and they could they could use it out of context. Like I'm not gonna tell you what the triangle looks like. I'm not gonna label it for you. I'm not even gonna tell you what technique to use. That's cool. And uh but these ten year olds did do it. Pretty neat. So I guess we'll wrap it up there. I'll let you take a nap. And... <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a wrap. We're out.